Hey, this is Dr. Evans Kariuki. Welcome to Firebrand Nation. Your life will never be the same as you go through these teachings. These are teachings for soul winners. Here at Firebrand Nation, we believe that we are called to reach one soul every second. This podcast is designed for soul winners who hunger and thirst to see the lost come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. A culture of allegiance. 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 Why do we need a culture of allegiance? We're going to move fast. That's why I need us to sit together. We will move fast. We need a culture of allegiance because, number one, it locks out the devil. Amen. The devil is kept out. The devil is kept out. When you have loyalty, you have faithfulness, the devil is kept out. Amen. Amen. In a family, in a marriage, whatever, whatever area, job, the devil is kept out. Number two, very important, you cannot build anything great without allegiance. Amen. In every church, there are people who are coming and there are people who are going. Church leadership is the ability to sustain more growth than those you're losing. Are you understanding? Amen. In every marriage, you're growing in love and losing in love. Amen. The great marriages are the ones that grow more than they lose. Every farmer, there are plants that he prunes and cuts out, and their plants, after he's pruned them, they grow. So they lost a piece of them, and losing that caused them to grow. The problem is if you cut too much, the farmer loses his harvest. So life is a process of balancing. Every accountant has a credit column and a debit column. Every bank account, you're adding and removing. Are you understanding? Yes. But loyalty causes you to add more than you're losing. Are you understanding? Two numbers that should be at the mind and the heart of every believer. Eight years. Eight years. If you've been involved in the work of the Lord for eight years in any church, any establishment, eight years is a place of decision. Because eight years, it takes eight years to learn the systems, the inside, the workings of the system. So in eight years, you need a revival and a refreshing and a realignment for you to stay in the work of the Lord. But why do we see, even in places like Africa, you find people have served in the same church 50 years, 60 years, and their children have grown and became pastors in the same church, became leaders in the same church. The people I pastor today in Africa were raised in the church. They, they know nothing else. It's because after eight years, you recognize the cost of starting over is more 
it will cost you more to start over than it is not to. So you make a conscious decision in your heart that this is where I want my children to grow. This is the DNA. This is what I want them to have. And people get more and more involved. Yeah. Are you understanding? It's like now they are free. It's like they are fully involved. I have, uh, today he, he helps me with the, uh, the crusades in Africa. But one day we were buying a carpet for the church. And we're buying a carpet, and one person gave a very big seed. And, you know, you call and say, thank you. And uh, actually almost paid for the whole thing. And said, wow. And said, no, you need to understand something, Reverend. The, when I buy that carpet, I know when my time to go be with the Lord, I want my body to be presented there. So he had seen his life in the church. Are you understanding? But it's not the case with many. It's not the case with many. It's not. If you are restarting your job every eight years, restarting your marriage, restarting your relationship with your church, let's do the math. Mm -hmm. let's, say, let's even give you, th you're, you're 30 years old. After eight years, how old are you? 38. 38. And you went, you became this big person, then you're starting again. Another 38 years. Another, now, sorry, another 8 years. 38 plus 8 is? 46. 46. 46. So you're 46 and already been part of two moves, but never, your children have never been established. You understand? Mm. The Bible says at the age of 50, is when you should start handing over and raising someone else. So by 48, you should already have your eye on everything God has taught me. Who am I teaching? That's good. Next. These are not my words. This is the word of God. Amen. The Bible says, at the age of 50, start finding. The Bible says the ministers should find the younger ones to start teaching them the work of ministry. Do you know why ministries shrink? It's because we have members who are still trying to establish themselves. Like they, they, they are still in this eight-year cycle. They are still trying to... So you cannot teach somebody. You cannot hand over to somebody because you yourself don't know what you're handing over. Amen. Are you understanding? You've not been a prophet, an evangelist, a leader long enough to know what you're raising. Does this, does what I'm teaching you, I know this is mature teaching, but does it make sense in your spirit? It's good. Oh yes, oh yes, it's the truth. Not only am I a student of the church, I don't think there's any major denomination that I've not studied in depth. Oh, Church of God, I've studied it. Assemblies of God, I've studied it. And I mean, literally, this was the founder. This was who went after. This is what happened. What was their age? What cycles have they gone through? And this principle stands true even in the Baptist church. That's good. There was actually a time, I believe it was 19... Uh, let, me not, let me not quote the year because I may be mistaken. The Baptist church realized 
if we don't structure growth in the church as family growth, the Baptist church will not grow to where it is. So they began making programs that are family geared, geared towards the family. Are you understanding? Geared towards the family. The Kojic church introducing the Sunday school and the raising up of a next generation because they realized the gaps that happen in church. So anything you're not committed to long term, you cannot hand over. You cannot hand over. How, how if, if someone comes and they have, uh, if someone has been raised in a church and they've been there, you know mommy, you know daddy, when their children come up, they can be more influential because their parents have paid the price for that child. But Christians, we are short-sighted. We, we just see, we just see here, just see nearby. We don't think long. We don't think long-sighted. You know, one day, it is amazing as a leader of a church to, to see a young man or a young woman, and God tells us, he does, that this person will be so-and-so at the church. This person will be so-and-so at the church. You see them, and, and God reveals their future. It comes with the grace and the anointing. But then, a little trouble in a department, and the parent takes the children out of the church. And you're like, wow. Wow. You just put your child through the ringer of Christian living. The ringer. I mean the ringer of Christian living. Are you understanding? Because by the time someone leaves and goes and understands why we speak in tongues, why do we worship loud, why, what, what is an akazo, what is this? Ah, years pass by. So to build anything great, I'll give you another example. Nations are built in loyalty. You have to be loyal to a nation to build a nation. You understand? And immigrants that come into a nation, like when I came into America, you know people tell me, you've been in America for so many years and you still have an accent. I tell them, you know, I try. <laughs> I try, but let me go through my cycle. My, mine is more than 80 years. But even all the years, I have married an American. Amen. But even after all those years, American culture still shocks me. You understand? It's because to, to get engrafted into something, it's not easy. It's not easy. So now imagine if after these many years of being a citizen and being here, I decide, okay, now let me go and be a citizen of United Kingdom. At my age, ah, my life will waste away. Are you understanding Amen. the principle? It, unless I go there to just be on vacation, and, but to be majorly influential, it doesn't work that way. Are you understanding? Amen. Leonard Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill, one of the greatest voices of revival. He was a British man, came to America, did the work of the Lord in America. Did the work of a revivalist and then went back to the UK. And he, for his 
many years of ministry in America. And effective ministry, large ministry. He was the pastor to Keith Green. Keith Green sang, uh, uh, he's one of my greatest worship leaders. He sang, mm. anyway, Keith Green was great. Just, just know that. It will come to me. Keith Green was a great worshiper and mighty man of God. His spiritual father was Raven Hill. Keith Green, when Raven Hill went back, he said in his book, I am more of an Englishman coming back to England than I am of anything else. Because it's so hard to change and be engrafted. Are you understanding? Mm -hmm. So for you to build long term, you have to have a heart of loyalty. To build anything effective, efficient, you have to have a heart of loyalty. Of loyalty. Marriages don't grow within the first eight years. The first eight years is trials. You, you go through things. It's after that that you begin to say, oh, so this is what I married. Your heart settles that this, it is what it is. Amen. Amen. Are we together? Yes. Also, another reason for loyalty is the love of God flows on loyalty and faithfulness. As I travel around this country, as I travel around this country, I have been, I've met many people who tell me your church in Knoxville is a great church. Some have been here, some have never been here, some just watch us online. And one minister who had been here I met him the other day and he says, how do you get such a spiritually intense congregation and yet they are so loving? We have spiritual intensity and love. We are not like wild Holy Ghost people who are mean. You know, there are some Holy Ghost churches that after the shout, after praise and worship, you're like, ah, was it you who was praising like this? Was it you, hey, was it you who was worshipping like this? Amen. Oh, travel around, you'll see. Oh, man. It's like, Lord. One day I called my wife and I met, I met one of the big worshippers. Big worshippers. Huge. Has worshipped great music. And I met them live, live. You know, behind the scenes. Hey, she was mean. Wah. Ah, yeah, yeah, she was mean. I called my wife. I said, babe, they are, the, what we've seen, the anointing and what I've seen in person is not the same. But they said the church is so loving. The church is so united. The church is so flowing. The secret behind it is loyalty and a culture of allegiance. For us to have gone through COVID without problems, without, we go through things just together. You understand? We go through things together. We go, somebody, okay, this person has gone to hospital or got a negative report. We all jump in to pray. We all connect to help them. And we are still Holy Ghost. And we are still full of God. 
It's, it's, not, it's not by happenstance. For the love of God to flourish, you need a sense of loyalty. Amen? Have you gotten those points on why loyalty, why you need loyalty? Point number one is what? It locks out the devil. Locks out the devil in demonic works. Locks it out. Number two? We must have it to build greatness. You cannot build anything great without it. Number three? The love of God flows on loyalty and faithfulness. The love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God flows on loyalty. It flows on loyalty. Parents, you want your children to be loyal to the cause that God has given you. Amen. Because, because if they are not your grandchildren mm -hmm. and your children's children are at risk of serving the devil. Mm. Amen. So you need to be strong about this thing. And we said that loyalty in person begins with a loyalty to God. So how do you get your children who may be rebellious or people who are like that to be loyal to the cause that God has given you? You first teach them to be loyal to God. Mm -hmm. How do you teach them? I know I'm giving a lot of things, but keep going. How do you teach them? You teach them by telling them things like everything we have, God gave us. Yes. God gave us everything we have. You tell your children things like, I, it's only God who has enabled me to do what I'm doing. You glorify God in your house, your children will get an image and a mind and a heart to honor God. You also do that by you yourself being loyal. Amen. You show unity in the marriage, unity to one another. Dinner time, you gather together at the table and eat together. Family vacations, put phones away, gather together. When children scramble and fight, you sit them down and talk to them about the importance of oneness and the importance of loyalty. Are you understanding? Amen. You guide and teach loyalty yourself. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Let us go to the next point, point number five. Loyalty qualifies you as a minister. That's why it's important. And I'm going to go through this very quickly. Reasons qualifies you as a minister. Number six, loyalty will fight the fifth column. And we'll talk about those stages here shortly. Next, your longevity, longevity. How long you are in the ministry of God is determined by how loyal you are. Every garment, and I talked about garments a few weeks ago, every garment you put on, eventually you get used to. Every garment you put on, eventually you get used to it. Your body builds the muscle to get used to it. When, when I used to box many years, many with a capital M years ago, <laughs> with a capital M, we used to put on these things on your ankles. There were weights. And then you put weights in your hands. 
and then you, you shadow box to give you strength and give you speed. If you put on those weights and do it for three weeks, four weeks, week five, you're used to it. It's like now you're moving faster. Week six, week seven, after two, three months, you need to either step up your weight or do something different. So what we used to do, we used to add a vest. We added a vest to hold our shoulders down. And then now you start boxing again. And when you do that, it gives you additional resistance. But even after a while, you get used to even the vest. So anything you do, God created something in us to naturally get used to the situation we are in. One day in uh, Phuket, Phuket, Phuket is an island uh, city. People live by the waters. And if you see the beach boys, the people at the beach, you look at their feet, you realize their hands and feet. You see this part of your hand? This, this webby area. Their hand is more webbed and their feet are more webbed than our normal hands. It's because their hands and their feet have adjusted to their life of swimming in the water. They were born in it. Their grandfather was born in it. Their grandfather's grandfather was born in it. So after a while, they have adapted. Are we together? Eskimos, their body frame has been adapted to hold fat and to sustain a life in the cold. Are we together? My point to you is humanity gets used to everything they are put in. That is why when you go to heaven, you'll be given a new body that's fit for the glory and the presence of God. My point to you is that without loyalty, you get used to something that is great for you. And when you get used to it, you devalue it. It's like you, you know this thing is, is good, but unless you make a conscious decision in your heart that you're going to have an allegiance to it, you end up taking advantage of it because you're used to it, not because it's not good to you. So you can remove your priestly garments. I was reading a book and, uh, oh, uh, uh, not Cain and Abel, Esau. Esau said, what is my birthright? What is this birthright? Like it's nothing. My birthright is nothing. Esau dishonored his birthright and said it was nothing like it meant nothing. Until he was older, he did not know what it means to be a firstborn. It was when he was older and was suffering and struggling and did not have the blessing that he says, wow, what did I do? What, what did I do selling my birthright? It's because Esau was used to that thing. Are you understanding? So it is important for you to realize we can get used to certain things. Are you understanding? It is called losing the wonder 
You lose the wonder. You lose the majesty. You lose the wonder. It's like you lose the wonder. And it's important to remind ourselves every time of the wonder of the majesty of what God has given us. If God has given you a job, God has given you a family, God has given... Like, is this touching the heart of someone who's hearing me this morning? Lift up your voice and tell the Lord, let me not lose the wonder of what you've given me. Let me not lose the wonder. Lift up your voice and pray. Yes. given us, God. Let us be loyal, oh God. Yes. Loyalty fights the fifth column. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Jesus. Ghost. Thank you, Father God, for loyalty allows us to flow in loyalty. Love of God allows us to flow in loyalty and faithfulness, yes. God. Loyalty qualifies us as ministers, yes. oh God. Lift up we your thank voice you, and Lord pray. God. Thank you for teaching Zon about loyalty, Galabaya. oh God. We thank you, oh God, Zon for longevity is determined by loyalty, Loyalty, God. We yes. We shall be loyal, God. We yes. shall not lose the wonder. We won't lose in the wonder, Jesus my God. mighty name, God. We thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Loyalty locks out thank the you, devil, God. We thank you, oh God. Thank we pray you, for loyalty, Lord God, and we shall abide in a culture of allegiance, my God. We shall abide in a culture of allegiance, my God. We thank you, oh God, that we shall find younger, younger ones and teach them loyalty, God, by being loyal, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Put your hands together and bless the Lord. We thank you, my God. Put your hands together and bless, bless the Lord. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. Next point. Point number what? Eight. Eight. For you to reap your heavenly reward, your full reward, you need to be faithful to the end. For you to get your heavenly reward, you need to be faithful to the end. I don't know if it will be this year, but I have a sermon on backsliding. And backsliding is a process. It doesn't just happen immediately. It's a process that begins in the hearts of men, manifests in the mouth and the words of men, and ends in the actions of men. But the objective of backsliding is to cut you off from your reward. It's to cut you off from your reward. Revelation chapter 21 verse 14 and the walls of the city had the foundations of the 12 apostles. The 12 apostles are who? Them that stuck it out to the end. Luke twenty-two twenty-eight. Luke twenty-two twenty-eight. The kingdom of God is appointed to us for us to hold on to it until the end. Are you together? When you realize that only few people stick it out is when you realize the importance of loyalty. Very few people make it to their heavenly reward. And the reason for that is because they take this small thing called loyalty very lightly. Say things like, oh, I can pray by myself. I can serve God by myself. I can do this. And you take this small thing very lightly. Are we understanding each other? So let us talk about now the stages of disloyalty. And it's important for you to identify them in your life so that you know how to pray. Amen? I myself have identified these stages in my own life. 
So don't feel like I'm in your business. If anything feels like I'm in your business, just swallow the pill nicely. Amen. It will help you when it gets to your stomach, okay? Amen. It will help you. Amen. Hallelujah. When you learn the stages of disloyalty, it number one helps with self-examination, but number two, it helps to identify this loyalty. Stage number one, an independent spirit. There's nothing wrong with being independent, nothing wrong with it, but an independent spirit or an independent ideas always leads to disloyalty. If today Texas decided they want to be independent, how many of you know the first thing they have to do is fight who they are dependent on? Amen. Are you understanding? Independence by default will have to cause you to fight what you're dependent on. If a husband decides I'm tired of being told where to put my socks and wants to be independent, by that choice of being independent, you know socks is a problem in my house, by the way. We, it's a big issue. Big issue. We are, God is working on us, isn't it? We are working on me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I thought we are in this together. <laughs> I thought we are in this thing together. No, you know, I always, I always tell my wife, why are we always buying socks? What happened to the ones we had last week? Always buying, always buying socks. I'm like, I'm tired of buying socks. So anyway, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, socks. So, oh, where was I? Independent spirit. Independent spirit, thank you. Independent spirit helps you begin to want to do things your way, but yet you're part of a community. For you to do that, you have to fight the community. Are you understanding? So when you see independence, like we say we are fasting all week, then someone says, no, me, I'm fasting just on Mondays. Mm -hmm. And then someone gathers a group and says, now we will be doing it this way. We'll right. be doing it this way. It is independence. Or all leaders are meeting at 8 to 9. And the first 30 minutes is prayer. The next 30 minutes is the business that we are doing. And a leader says, me, I pray at home, so I'll come at 8.30. Mm. Are you understanding I come at 8.30, so... And it's not... I'm not saying you can't excuse. I'm saying the heart behind the reason. Are you getting it? Yes. The heart behind it is an independent spirit. Today, Kenya is... used to be a colony of England. And England cannot guide Kenya anymore because Kenya is independent. Are you understanding? We got our independence 
And people who have an independent spirit, you cannot tell them anything. Cannot tell them anything. You tell them, hey, go up on the pulpit and I want you to dismiss the people. They'll get on the pulpit and preach the second sermon. <laughs> and tell you God moved. You know, I travel with Pastor Parsley. I see so many things. Because we minister together. And I get on the pulpit, do exactly what he told me. If God is moving, I'll tell him, hey, I have a word. Can I release it? And he says, of course, release it. Are you understanding? Oh, and please, you may think these things don't happen. <laughs> but they happen. And these things, when people are immature, oh, they spoil the young people in the church. Because someone says, I saw that leader do it. I saw that leader doing it. That's good. That's good. I saw that leader doing it, so why are you stopping me from doing it? <laughs> Independent spirit spreads very, very quickly. Especially in a growing church because people follow their leaders. They follow their leaders. My leader came to the meeting 30 minutes late. So all it's like a whole department of latecomers. Yeah. When you're part of a group or part of a community, you lose your independence in the community and become a pillar of the community. You become a pillar of the community. You become one. Are you understanding? It is something that Growing up, I learned about it in my tribe. I learned about it in my family, and I have taught it to my children, and they will teach it to their children's children. Amen? There was a man, 2 Samuel 3.20, 2 Samuel 3.21. There was a man called Abner. Abner was an enemy of David. Abner was an enemy of David. And David wanted to make peace with Abner. So David calls Abner and says, come, let's eat. Let's have a feast. And when they ate, they ate to their heart's desire. Mm -hmm. They partied, they fellowshiped. And David tells Abner, you know, are we good? Like, everything's good? Yeah, everything's good. We are, we've squashed the beef. Then 2 Samuel 3.26 David's right-hand man, a man called Joab, had advised David against going and calling Abner for the feast because Joab hated Abner for what Abner did to David. So Joab tells Abner, Joab tells David, don't call him. You're stronger than him. You're mightier than him. Finish him. David says, no, I don't, want to, I don't feel like fighting. I'm not in a time of war. Call them, we make peace. So he went against his right-hand man. You know, Joab was the captain of David's army. Captain of David's army. So Abner comes, they feast. Joab did not go to the party until the end. So he shows up at the end of the bash. And Abner is let released to go in verse 26. 
But look at what Abner does in 2 Samuel, Joab does in 2 Samuel 3, 26 and 27. The Bible tells us, read, read 26 and 27. This and is after the party and after they've made peace. Go ahead. And when Joab came out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah. Wait. So Joab came to the party at the end. At the end. And he greets everyone. Hi, hi, hi. What? You're good, you're good, you're good. Yeah. David is sitting there. David was upset. We said we are making peace with Abner and you didn't show up. Okay. Then the party ended. Then this is what Joab does. Uh-huh. Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah, but David knew it not. So Abner is on his way home. He has reached the well of Sirah. And Joab goes after him. Mm -hmm. And David did not know that Joab has gone after him. Uh-huh. And when Abner was returned to Herod, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib. So Joab goes to Abner, who David has just made peace with. Mm -hmm. And before he gets to his gate, Herob, he pulls him aside. So Abner thinks, oh, David has sent his right-hand man. This guy was in the dinner. He was in the meeting. Yeah, what's up? And he pulls him aside to talk and strikes him mm. under his rib. Uh-huh. Keep reading. That he died for the blood of Asherah, his brother. For the blood of Asherah. Abner died because he had beef with David. But Joab did not believe in the solution that David wanted to bring. Mm -hmm. He went out and did it his way. Wow. Now Abner is dead. And Israel begins, David begins managing war because Abner's people got mad that Joab had done this thing. And Joab, you continue to read for the sake of time, we won't. Joab goes back to David like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. And Israel could have gone into war one of the most wicked spirits, and I've seen this all around the world in church, is when people think they are solving problems by calling people to the side, having side conversations. You think that the leader doesn't know what they're doing. And you want to solve it yourself. You want to solve it yourself. And you do it a different way. A different way that causes more offense, causes more offense than it does any good. Are you understanding? Oh, I have seen it both ways. I've seen it come my way, and I've seen it go the other way. But if you don't identify when you yourself are Abner, someone comes and tells you, oh, if they did that to you, if I was you, well, I would... I would take a break from church, you know. I'd, I'd just leave for a few months. They're destroying you. Amen. And you don't realize. But because they are, have been given authority, 
it looks like the leader is the one who sent them. Are you understanding? Oh yeah, it looks like the leader because they have authority. They have authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, this thing is wicked. Dr. Mike Murdoch gave an accountant signatory rights, the right to sign. That lady went and cleared his bank accounts. And she went to the banker and said, I have been sent. Mm -hmm. And she cleared his bank accounts. And then she went back to the office the same day and deleted his member database, his, you know, mailing list, and took it herself. And then after she had taken it, now she calls him and says, I have your money and I have your database. I want a promotion. Like, 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 I will let you work for me again. I'm telling you, these things happen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think his testimony is online. The things that people go through because of leaders who don't understand that there are times, there are times even me as a leader, I have to choose peace for the sake of peace. Not because I'm not hurt, not because I'm not wounded, but I choose peace. Yes. Choose peace for the sake of peace. Choose peace. And then when, when people feel they have to fight your battle for you, it's, it's, oh my. Sometimes it can go wrong. Amen? So it is important for you to understand the spirit and the intent of what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. I always tell people, even with Pastor Pasley, I tell them, you know Pastor Pasley's heart. That's what's most important. He'd never do anything to offend anybody, to hurt anyone. You know his heart. And that's it. That's it. Don't, don't go beyond that. Amen? Amen. Joab, Joab destroyed, almost destroyed Israel. Let's keep looking at this man, Joab. Joab in 2 Samuel 12, 28. 2 Samuel 12, 28. When you get there, read it. Amen. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it. Uh-huh. Keep going. Lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Lest I take the city and it be called under my name. And David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah. And fought against it. And David. David. If you read 2 Samuel 12, David sends uh, Joab to war. And when he sent Joab to war against Rabbi, Joab gets there and contains them in the city. So he holds them in the city. And David and Joab, remember they fought together for a very long time. But now David is like, I have kingly business to do. Let me take care of business. You go do the fighting. Are we together? Amen. Are you flowing in the story? Yes. Joab contains the enemy within their walls. 
And Joab stands on a chariot and says, this is the victory of Joab. Mm. Go tell David that if he wants the city, we have held them within their walls. He needs to come and finish them or I will take the city and name it after myself. Mm. Mm. I'll take it and name it after myself. The Bible is a good book. A good, it good will book. teach us many things <laughs> if you read it. Amen. So David has to leave his kingly business. Yo, last year I studied David. First of all, David was very soft, by the way. He was very, <laughs> David was a king who, you don't even know how this man ruled Israel. Like, he had no systems, no ruling methods. He just had the hand of God. Because some of the things he faced, wow. So David leaves the king's business and gets on his horse and rides to the battle. Now when the people are seeing David, they look at Joab, they say, wow, Joab is this powerful. He has called the king and now the king is here. Wow. And now the king has come to fight. Then what happens? Keep reading. Verse 30. And he took their king's crown from his head, the weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head. There you go. And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. So Joab, it looks like what he's doing is a good thing. But what he's actually doing underneath it is undermining the mandate that has been given to him. De Joab is lowering David's authority. I want you to read this because I don't know if I'll get to it in the next two days. At the end of David's life, when he's lying in his bed, about to leave and go to heaven, David tells Solomon something. He says, this man, Joab, he gives Solomon a list of people mm -hmm. and says, I have not been able to rule beyond them. I've not been able to, they have been around the throne. He says that. They've sat around the throne. They've been around me. But if you want to be a good king and rule freely, do what your heart tells you to do. He says, Solomon, if you want my son, if you want to be a good king, there are some people you have to let go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because I wasn't able, I wasn't able to let go of them. You understand? One day, I believe it is the, there's a church, there's a church, uh, Lord, bring it to my remembrance. There's a church that their constitution says if a new pastor or a leader takes over a branch, every leader has to resign. And they leave three. I will remember. I'll check it. I'll tell you tomorrow. They leave three for the transition. And when the new pastor takes over, he can reassign them or come in with new leaders. Because they had gone, Methodist, Methodist church, that's it. Amen. The Methodist church, that's it. That's what they did. Joab 
said, I will name this city after me. I told you the story of my young pastor, who's a dear, I love him so much, even these days. When I told him he was going to be a pastor, and he went and told his department before, before being given the position, and said, get ready to start calling me pastor. That is the Joab mentality, where you, you, you're given a small group, and you're like, Pastor, if you don't come do this meeting, I will take the group. Who told you it's yours? I will do this. I will do that. Church, we are all under delegated authority. We are all under the, and this, these principles are for life. Like if you've been given a branch, if you've been given at your job, authority, remember where authority came from. Remember your children have two parents, a mother and a father. Just because you raised them doesn't mean they don't deserve to know who their father is or their mother is. Amen. Are you understanding? Our time is gone. We will leave it there. Let's all stand up and tell the Lord, help us not to have this independent spirit to think our way, not at our jobs. Come on, take 10 seconds and pray. Yes, God. Yes, God. Let us not have the independent spirit, oh God. Let us not be of Joab spirit, oh God. In the name of Jesus, In the name God, of Jesus. we will recognize delegated authority, oh God. We will yes. be aware of the stages of disloyalty and examine yes. ourselves, oh God. We will Begin identify with me, my God. disloyalty in Begin us, with God. me, my Purge Father. Us, Begin God. with me. Search our hearts, Begin with me. oh God. Begin with in us, In the mighty oh God. name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, In the God. mighty name of we Jesus We thank Christ. you, Lord God. In the mighty thank name you, of Jesus. Yes, Father, Lord. I ask you to give us a heart that is united with your vision yes. and with your purpose. The way may get hard, the way may get heavy, but Lord, let us be one with you. Yes, In the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly believe you have been blessed. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to join Firebrand Nation, the movement, connect with us on social media at Firebrand Nation. Go to our website at www.firebrandnation.com. Remember, alone I'm a flame. Together we are a fire. Like, share, and distribute this so that others could be blessed. God bless you.